Hello friends and welcome back to Walking on Water. You're about to listen to part two of our conversation with the inimitable Dr. Sindiwe Magona. If you didn't listen to part one, stop, do yourself a favor, go back and listen to the first part before you jump into the second part. Enjoy. And you, you know, you said something, I think it was in, when you first started writing in the 90s, you spoke about the lack of black or the, the small number of black women who, be, who were being published in South Africa and across the world. Oh, and I think I you're, because <laughs> it's like, this, I when mean, I think. When my first book came out, hmm. I was invited to my, my first writer's seminar was at hmm. UCT. Yes, and you know how professors study these things and have the, the, the data, blah blah. He comes up and he says, Since Af black Africans, meaning Bantu, black African writers started being published in mm -hmm. 1940 or 30 something or 20 something, I can't remember. And he named mm -hmm. them when my book came out in 1990. Now, this is within living memory, sure. only yeah. five. South African black women had been published. Wow. Five in 1990. Then he went and said, but this is the trend throughout Africa. African women will write one or two uh, uh, books, uh, 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 autobiography or autobiographical fiction. And then they stop. Ayanda, mm. that's when I told myself right there and there. I wasn't stopping mm. at autobiography. I wasn't stopping at two books. I was... <laughs> I was so, I just, I, I, I told myself, you're going to write. You're not going to be a typical African woman writer who writes one book. Sure. I'm not a trained writer. But mm. I, 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 the responsibility we all carry. There is no nation. I can call you that not because I belittle you, but you are not even the ages of my children. We are the ages mm. of my grandchildren. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the response, there is no nation that advances because it has one, one doctor, right? Mm. It's not one writer mm. that's going to make us to have a body of literature. It's if no. I nurture other writers, and that's what I do. Thank mm. you. Thank you. Like, thank you, thank you for that, because yeah it really has been that um and i think i want to yeah. maybe just ask more specifically actually on the importance of writing on the importance of writing black stories and i mean now your your upcoming book in 2021 yes writing about our collective role mama why is it important to write about black people and black women like why is because that important? that's what i know that's what i know that's who i am and, mm -hmm. and, and people need to see themselves in stories. Yes. Later on, you look back and you say, oh, that's how it was. And it's good to hear it from your own. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was in, in, in doing my, my junior high school, 
reading history books written by professors who were all English speaking or African speaking. I mean, we had to cram facts such as, you know, why people from England and, 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 and Spain and whatever should come here is in the history book because of our beautiful country and our beautiful climate. We have no mosquito, the, the climate is good and a readily available source of cheap labor. Oh. That's my father. A readily available source of cheap labor. If you find history books that were written in the 60s, 70s, it would be there. Readily available source of cheap labor. Now I have to make my father a human being. He wasn't just cheap labor. He was a man, he was a husband, he was a son before, he was a husband and a father. And a lot of people respected him because of how he conducted his life. Ayanna, that was one, when I worked for four years as a domestic worker, that was one of the things that intrigued me. Women and men on the train or in the, on the buses going to work, intelligent sounding people arguing intelligently, making their points or just being humorous. And then yeah. these same adult sounding normal people are going to yeah. go through that gate, don that overall and become servile and stupid. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I thought that what kind yeah. of transformation mm, has happened there? Yeah, that people didn't go crazy is something else. To be treated yeah. like an imbecile on a daily basis and then go back and be a grown-up in your family, a mother, a wife, and a member of your community. Some of these people had positions in church. Yeah. So for for some of us that are that are trying to get get into get into writing or we're aspiring black writers who want to to write stories about black people to you to humanize black people like you're saying sometimes those the the, the, the situations that people found themselves in it was dehumanizing to them what what sort of advice would you give to young black storytellers today? in terms of the stories that they that they write and the stories that they tell, what sort of advice would you want to give to people that are Do telling it. the stories of, of 2020? There and, is no substitute for writing, except as mm. people say, apply but to bench, mm. sit down, in other words. There's no, there's no alternative, you know, but you can also do it in, a, in a, an organized way. When you are serious about it, look at your 24 hours, choose the hour or two hours or whatever you can donate to this and choose a, a part of your house you are going to call your writing place and do it systematically. Like you do study. If it's haphazard, the results will be haphazard. A lot, most of my real inspired writing has come because I was better organized. If you go and pray in your corner, 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. every, you, you know, you are more into it than if you do it anytime you feel like it. 
sometimes it won't get done because you didn't feel like it. Nothing beats organization because then you give yourself a system. When I started studying as a mother of three doing my matric two years by correspondence, I had to tell myself the same thing. Rich and poor, everybody has 24 hours a day. Fortunately, even rich people only have 24 hours. Therefore, nobody's going to give me more time. If I want to do anything extra, I have to find the time, make the time. So I looked at my 24 hours. Some of those hours were already mortgaged. I had to go to work. There's getting up, getting ready, leaving house, coming back. The only time I really have is in the evening. What do I do in the evening? And that's where I had to steal time. Go to bed at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock in my mother's house with a lot of noise. When it's all quiet at 12, wake up and study. Where was I going to be waiting for ideal conditions? You make your conditions. Where you are, find a way that's going to work for you. You can't force people not to do what they want to do. Find a way. Everybody would be asleep by 11 o'clock or so. Get up, study. Two or three hours, go back to bed and wake up like everybody else at six o'clock. But you have had two or three hours. Nobody was more surprised than I when I got my matric. Sure. But like bad habits, good habits too can be catching. I never looked back after that. Because I discovered something with all the children I had. My brain still worked. And it, there are people at the, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the bus terminals. My little books are in a plastic checker bag, checkers bag. What's uh, that you are carrying? It looks like books. And shamefacedly, yes, it's books. Don't you have children? Yes, I do. Cutting <laughs> <laughs> Why would I be settling myself with books when I have children? As if mm. the two are mutually exclusive. Exclusive. Mm. I was in the vanguard of, of, of adult education in Cape Town. People yeah. were laughing mm. at me. But 10 years later, some of those people were in the night classes I taught at the Langa uh, night school. Mm. And I remember one saying, do you remember when we used to laugh at you? And <laughs> I kept a straight face. <laughs> I can act, I can tell you. <laughs> and you and did remember them, right? The, the, the important thing is that you are here now. Mm. Yeah. But inside I was saying, thank God I didn't listen to silly people like you. <laughs> nyan, nyan, people were laughing at me. Laughing at me. Yo. That's, that's the other thing. We are not very encouraging. I, I listened yeah. to Ayanda's story, <laughs> House Hunting. <laughs> oh right. my God, you That's listened right. to it. <laughs> my dear, when I came back from New York, when I was getting ready for retirement, I thought of taking the house in Kukuletu and, and blah, blah, blah. I even got an architect to come up with blah, 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 blah. Then the yeah. kid said, Ma, you're going to put all that money in. If you want to sell that house, 
who has all that money to buy it from you in Kuvuleto? I think there is. And then the stories that were coming out, this teacher had brought a TV that night, 2 a.m. somebody came and shut the door, you know, open and killed and sure. took the TV. They said, no. kids said, people are going to be watching you with all these things coming there. And they said, oh, there's money there. You want there's money, yeah. And, mm. and, and towards the end of my, new, my, my, my work, at the last two, three vacations, every two years, we, we got home leave. I started hearing gunshots in Guguletu and not being able to, to relax and sleep. Then I realized, kids, Ayant, if mm. you've worked for it, and you yeah. can afford it, get the best house you can for yourself. Yeah. When I, 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 got, uh, I got back, one of the people I really respect said to me, an older woman, oh, now you're going to run away from us. Mm. From from I said, Sis Banban, do you remember mm. that part of the struggle against apartheid when we were fighting against apartheid, one of the things we didn't like are these townships. Mm. The apartheid government, yeah. we yeah. said, has put corals as like cattle into townships. Yeah. I didn't go back to school. I haven't worked so hard so that I can stay in the townships. We didn't want the townships. We hated the townships. Now you are telling right. me I must live in the township because <laughs> everybody. No, I'm not going to live in the township. No, the township were inflicted on us. Mm, we didn't yes. want people were yes. moved yeah. from Cape Town, from retreat, from some, and corralled into mm. the township. No, mm. nobody should have the ambition of living in a township. But if you want to live in a township, I'm not stopping you. The sure. other thing we must all learn is to give one another the freedom to choose how we want to live. Yeah. Sure. I'm not going to be made to feel bad because I don't live in the township. Don't want to live in a township. I've never mm. wanted to live in a township. I was forced to live in the township. Mm. Now yeah. that there is democracy and I can choose where I live, I'm going to choose. Yeah. Do you think that within the like within the black within the black community that sometimes like like you're saying those expectations of like why are you living in Kasi? You're supposed to be staying here. Why That's are you what I just said. wanting to go to the suburbs? Like, do you think that something I guess maybe that holds us back in some ways that we don't we're not we don't we don't feel like we're free to no, um, to move forward? Did you want not to be free? Stay there. Mm. It's a choice. Democracy is about the ability to choose. We now, you know, people, we couldn't go and work anywhere except where you were, you were. Told. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't go and work. Now we can. Nobody is querying that. Why are yeah, you querying where I live? No. That shouldn't be. Yeah. Democracy is about mobility. And yeah. people go to school, study or learn trades mobility for mobility and i think yes. that's one of the gifts of our democracy as complete as complicated as it is i think as you were talking about, i'm just remembering that like there's so many things that i think black women black people overall are 
like there's expectations on us and then when we do things um it makes us either radical or rebellious or so forth and so if someone was to tell the story about us and that like oh these these educated blacks left the township and they moved to the suburbs they'd they'd miss the the entire thing that informs our decisions they'd miss the story behind it they'd miss why we make those decisions for our families um, no, and that's, superficial. that's not thinking that's superficial kind of reasoning mm. Mm. what one of the things that was wrong about apartheid includes group areas act now right. don't tell mm. me to live according to group areas act when it was scrapped no mm. there is no group areas act anymore you are free to live wherever you want to live haven't you heard that ask them next time do you Have not know that group areas ex- no longer exist? <laughs> 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 she never oh, true. No, but, 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 this, but, it, but it's true, though. It Haven't you had group areas act is no more. You can live anywhere. Mm. I mean, the very just, things we hated, we fought against, now we are forcing one another to, to, up, to comply with what? Comply with what? Living in, in, in squalor? Mm. Uh-uh. Doesn't this no. just show us, though, that I think the way that we yeah. remember the past and history, it's always contested, right? Um, I'm just thinking now about um, the death of Uma Mawili mm. Mandela and the way in which people spoke about her as a sellout, as anti-Rainbow Nation, and people just felt the need to shame her for her decisions. And even though those decisions, when we look at them, we didn't understand um, and we weren't there when she was making decisions. And I was just thinking now, even with the death of Uzinz Mandela, we're seeing the same thing happening where people are wanting to shame her and wanting to call her all sorts of names because of the decisions she made, which feels like it's, it's so important to be writing stories about complicated black women and to write complicated stories that like being black isn't singular that we need to write about these rebellious women, we need to write about Cindy Omangona who decides to move to the suburbs, who decides to live in New York City, Udambuzo, who decides to leave Zim and come to Cape Town, you know, like our stories aren't linear. And yeah, like I think my question with all that I'm saying is why is it, why is it important to write about these complicated stories of black people? So that people get to realize we are not all the same. Mm-hmm. There's diversity. Just because we are black, just because we are women, doesn't make us the same. And the complication of one's life, you know, are the choices we make. It's all about the choices we make. Mm. That no one could ever understand because they're not us. No, no. You have to walk in someone's shoes before you understand their, their, you know, their reasoning, their pain. You can empathize, but you can never fully understand. Sure. And, 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 you know, when you look at a life, what you also have to accept that, you know, as human beings, there is something called perfection, the ideal. And life and living is pursuing that ideal. But we also know, even as we, we, we will never achieve it. Are we God? Are we angels that we can think we could be perfect? No. But our job is to live life in pursuit 
of that idea, even though we know we will never achieve it. Sure. And in, in thinking about um, some of those ideals and maybe maybe just trying to dig a little bit into your, 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 own, your own vision and your own hopes for, for South Africa, like what, what, what sort of future do you think South Africa has or how do, you, how do you picture a future South Africa that has healed from some of these wounds? What does it look like for you as you sort of envision South Africa in the future and as you, as you put in that necessary work as a writer for the sake of empowering people and, getting, and, and, and envisioning people? What sort of a future do you envisage? I am scared to even voice it because people mm. misunderstand what I'm trying to say. Okay. I wish we could address poverty in a way that didn't deepen it. Mm. And I think I've been misunderstood as anti-poor, which is, it really saddens me. I have been poor. There was a time, have you caught hold of the children's book, The Best Meal Ever? Yes, I read part of it. Yes, I yeah. across it. Yeah. That book is autobiographical, hmm. although I fictionalize it for the children. If you read Forced to Grow, you will see where that book comes from. A writer in, in the States read Forced to Grow and asked me if I had read Stone Soup. And I said, no. She said, that part of your autobiography is a Stone Soup story for children. Read Stone Soup and, and a gift. So I know poverty. I hate poverty. I hate it for myself. And I remember working as a domestic worker and taking a vow neither of my two children, my two daughters will ever be a domestic worker. My son will not be a garden boy. That was a way of saying my children won't be as poor as I am. Single parents in South Africa, no support from government. I managed each one of my children has at least one university degree. Now that, that may not seem like a big achievement, but if you go back to who I was then, mm, sure. in my mid-twenties, when I started studying, I got so angry at the government of the day, the apartheid government, who didn't see me as a real human being, who denied me the right to, you know, to apply for help for my children. You couldn't even apply as a non-citizen. Right. Yeah. You see, these are the things that you know, if you dig deeply, South Africans have those scars that they couldn't, their parents couldn't, their grandparents couldn't apply for child grant. Yeah? Then I said to myself, there's only one way I can raise my children. I must get my, I must improve my education. I had junior certificate and something that was called higher primary teacher certificate. Don't ask. Only Bantus mm. could teach with no matric. <laughs> sure. Then I realized, I looked at the schools in, in Lagunya, Langa, Nyanga, Kuguletu. La, la, Langa, Kuguletu, and Nyanga, Lagunya. 
the three townships then in the 16 primary schools here only two teachers had matric young men and i realized because i was unemployable at the same time as a married woman don't ask husband goes away you are still unemployable if i got matric i would be highly desirable guess what first time i passed the four subjects I ended up being recruited by a principal before I even finished that matric. You see immediate results when you improve your life, but you have to have agency. This is what I'd like everybody to understand. Hate poverty. Find a way to get out. If you are a dancer, dance your way out. Musician, sing out, whatever. Get a skill. Get education. You know, instead of just a grant, I wish we help poor people to acquire the wings to fly out of poverty. Mm. I'm not saying they shouldn't be helped. I'm saying help them in a way that really enables them to get out of poverty. Mm. I don't think it's helping me, telling me for 18 continuous years, we are, I'm going to be poor. Where am I in these 18 years asleep? Is that really help, Ayan? For 18 years, no. I'll give you this money. Okay, the government doesn't go and say do nothing. But yeah. really, where is the encouragement? Where hmm. is the, 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 the guidance? Hmm. And that should be, that's, I think that's what we should all, I think, be fighting towards. Because I think part of what you were saying is that that we need each other, that if one person is poor in our community, we are all poor. And so if this one person succeeds... And the children who are all... born into this kind of poverty, they have no role model. They're going mm. to end up like that too. So poverty is, you know, my nightmare for South Africa is poverty really gobbling us up. Mm. I mean, yeah. when you go to the shops yeah. in the morning, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and there are young men who are already in the dustbin looking for something to eat. Mm. That's not a life. It doesn't help us as a community. And I think that's why there are so many good, well-equipped, like South Africa is a resource-rich country. I think Africa as a whole. And so we almost need to realize that we are stewards of this earth that we have been given and that it, it, it can't just benefit a few. Um, we need to ensure that everyone wins. You know, when one person this wins, we thing. all win. When mm. we all have a busy living lives that are worth living, mm -hmm. we will all be safer, we will all be happier, mm. and we will all thrive. As it, long it, as we allow poverty to grow, guess who we are? The lives of poor people we think are worthless when we live next door to worthless. So we, we can't be doing great. If my neighbor is worthless, I'm next door to worthless. Sure. And at the end of it, we are, if we truly believe yeah. in Ubuntu, we are saying we all need to thrive. I am because you are. And in yeah. fact, yeah, this I is am the thing, Ayanda. How are we not in pain to see mm. our brethren, our sisters living like that? Mm. I am affronted really by the poverty in South Africa. It's so unnecessary. Hmm. 
guidance, nurturing, and a way of helping poor people to get back to who they were meant to be. Nobody's meant to spend all their lives poor. If you compare the traditional ways of helping the poor and this sophisticated Western you know, model, you can see where Ubuntu is. In the village, you have no cattle. When planting and plowing season comes, people do their fields and then they clap together and come and do yours. Right? Yeah. But your right. responsibility is to water your garden and hold the uku, the weeds. If you let your plants die, people won't help you. Agency. Yeah. Illegal. In normal, if you have no animals, one will give you two or three somebody so that you can start your head. And when you have a sufficient number, people say, let's divide the offspring. But that depends on you minding the cattle, making sure they have, they go to the fields to graze. They have water. When they are sick, you get somebody. You see what I mean? You are not giving something and you are sitting there with your legs in front of you, Nabi. Agents, don't help me to sleep. Help me to wake up and be busy about my life. And it's such a joyful thing to see somebody become because of your either help or suggestion. It's such a joyful thing. Who wouldn't be happy to see people become sprouting and thriving. We should all be busy ensuring that our young people become what they were meant to be because it will enrich us all. We are drawing from the same population group. The murderer, the burglar, the, the, the drug dealer is busy recruiting our young Busy recruiting. They go to schools and say, come here, like, if you sell this, you will get this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where is our recruitment? We who are supposed to be good people. We're supposed to be good stewards and good caregivers. If each and one of us stand and guided them, that would be something. The children are ready. They are born but they we're just sleeping. Need grown-ups to mm. mind them. Yeah. And yeah. They, they lost fathers. Yes, Mama, as you're talking, I keep just remembering the that quote by Toni Morrison that says, mm. a writer's life and work are not a gift to humanity, but they are a necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that quote because I think memory, history, words are a necessity because they... They have the capacity to dig us out of our own hole um, and they have the capacity to dig us out of our own cycles because they they show us a different world they are almost prophetic you know writers can mm. be so prophetic mm. um, and I think yeah like what kind of of necessary important work do we all need to be doing at the moment for our future generations um, well, as so, the saying goes, there was a saying, we, we have the governments we deserve. Mm. 
right? Mm. As writers or artists, we need to become holy human. Mm. We have the government we deserve because we, we choose the government and we tolerate them. We have the governments we deserve and the writers we need to become holy human. All yeah. art is there for people mm. to grow, to see, to look, to learn, to unlearn. There's a you know, part of growing is unlearning too, seeing differently. We have to remember that everything we know, everything we believe in, we have learned. All the truths we hold to, learned. And nobody, nobody in the world is the holder yeah. of all the truth there is to, to know. You know, revision, <laughs> revision yeah. is not a bad thing. And tolerance, understanding and tolerance. Putting yourself in the other's shoes. Yeah. So in the next uh, little while, you said that there's a book that's coming out next year. What, what are some of the kinds of stories that are at the top of your head and that are filling your heart that you, you want to be sharing over the next decade or so? What are you... Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's, what, 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 if that's part of your process, but what sort of stories do you, do you want to be telling uh, given what, where South Africa is right now and given who you are and the life you've lived, what are some of the Children's stories that you stories. want to you know, continue sharing and shaping South Africa? Yeah, ch children's stories. I'd like to write more for children. Yeah. You know, you know, stories that they would enjoy. And if I'm lucky, uh, you know, will be memory. You know, I'm, I'm so sad that in our, we have lost what we used to have in our languages, where, you know, even today, we had codes and jokes from literature. Mm. You know, references that, you know, transcended age groups. But if you had read this, you made a reference and people pick it up just like that. That doesn't seem to be there anymore. I don't hear many jokes <laughs> among the younger people. Well, we talk about sure. what's happening on Twitter. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> Different times, yeah. I think what has been very encouraging for me the last maybe five to 10 years has been seeing more, um, more people write, like more black people from the diaspora, writing about these stories that are important to us. And I think what you're saying- No, 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 there is definitely, I mean, 1990 was what? How many decades ago? But there are more people writing now, more women writing. I mean, nobody can talk about five mm. now. You know yeah. what I mean? No. Sure. Mm. As I said before, people do as people do. The more we write, the more we will write. Yeah, and I, yeah, like I'm, I think I'm just, I'm hoping that this episode is able to go far and wide and anyone who's listening to it to really, I think one, be encouraged, Mama. I always think about how you wrote your first book after 40, <laughs> um, but you're still writing, you know, that there isn't, 
one no, what, what, that's all i do mm. i love doing it i love doing it and so, i think as long as you have purpose in your life your life for me that's what I'm living is if i didn't do things the things i don't know how i could live doing nothing well you're nothing well you what for me doing? that would be death <laughs> that would be death Oh, what you are doing no for as long as i as i'm alive i'm that's the whole point of being alive is to be productive in some mm. way keep telling stories yeah you know, stories you know some people yeah. knit some people sew some people cook i tend to be lazy and now the writing gave me a perfect excuse Well thank you for your gift to us and I'm so happy yeah, that right. you continue to yeah. write for us and yeah. Nadi hopefully in the next and couple of years D and I will publish our own books and we'll we will contribute to this library of African stories lovely right. I look forward right. to reading that if I'm still around but who knows maybe yeah. when we get wherever well, we you. are doing after this like in the next phase maybe there's reading there too Yes, reading groups. <laughs> Dee, do you have any last parting words? Me? No, Utambuzo. Yes, ma'am. Oh, from my end. Mm. Um, sorry, I think I think the sound was dropping a little bit. I couldn't I couldn't hear you both very clearly. But from my end, from what I was able to pick up, I'm just very very thankful for your energy, <laughs> Mama, and up. just how you can invest in for staying up and just for but also just for just the passion that you have to continue I took the precaution of taking a nap <laughs> otherwise there you go. <laughs> <laughs> my brain there goes dead go. after 6 o'clock i can tell you <laughs> i need that nap if i'm going to be up now i'm up i'd probably go on until 1 o'clock doing reading writing i'm fine no thank Goodness you for me. being who you are and doing what you're doing you have mm. encouraged me i don't know how much it cost you the podcast or whatever you called it but i'm thinking not a bad idea you know i tried uh what is that other thing youtube no no the easier one which one where you you talk to people every day you type and type whatsapp no it takes so much time not whatsapp the other one the easier one ah man how can i forget I don't think I know that well, one. You have friends and you invite people. Oh, on Facebook. Yo! <laughs> Facebook takes so much time. Mm. I ran away after I don't I'll never write. People <laughs> ask this question and that now. But this uh, thing is better because you 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 control it yourself. Mm. Well, thank you for saying that, Mama. And I'm so very grateful. impressed with what you're doing. Mm. I, I think it's substantial and I wish you well with your studies. Thank you mama so so much mm. and we'll keep you posted in terms Thank of you. what we do and the yeah. final episode and we'll send we'll share it with you and then you can share it with um Thank you. Your fans. You. I'm just delighted that I you bumped into me or I bumped into you. It's it's encouraging for people my age to see young people uh who look like me. doing something so sensible and so exciting and then so substantial yeah thank you for your words of mm. wisdom 
and we hope that and have an amazing weekend thank you thank you bye thank you again ma'am bye thank you so very much we appreciate it bye-bye Days I can see what's up, gotta close my eyes and just pray about it. Most times when you hit me up, I know you want something, I feel a way about it. Married now, got the kid coming, got my mind spinning like a merry-go-round. Ears open to them old heads, when they come around I speak very slow, I gotta double down on this. Maybe we gon' have to budget down on that. It's been a long time, Sam Cooke, where the change coming, all facts. I can see the strange fruit, all black, Django's candy, yell phrase. See the bullet carrying a noose, Billy now has blood on them leaves. Hold up, look, I cannot anticipate it, it's overrated. I am no longer a slave through the cross, I know mama, we made it. Congratulations, through his image, we are made it. This spirit is giving me patience for all the races, privileged, performing, hating. This ignorance, I rise above, I slide them love, shine my light all in they face, and I hope they cannot take it. Sophia's through it, I escaped the matrix, escape like 95, who can I run to? The arms of the one who loves you, 98ers. I am the latest. I am your favorite right now in the sun, therefore I am a raisin. I am a raisin? Raisin in the sun, Sydney Portier with it. Check out the cadence. Woo!